This is the Locked On Aggies podcast. This is episode one of the Locked On Aggies podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Travis. I'm your host. A little bit about myself first before we get started. I work at Sports Radio 1150 in the Zone 102.7 FM in College Station, Texas. What do I do there? Well, I think a better question would be, what don't I do there? I do just about everything you could possibly do in radio. I'm a swing host. I'm an anchor. I'm a reporter. I'm a producer. The list goes on and on and on, but <laughs> pretty much all that radio experience I'm hoping will pay off on this podcast. I couldn't be more excited to bring you Locked On Aggies because I've been a Texas A&M fan for the majority of my life. I went to Texas A&M for a while. I, I've grown up around Texas A&M fans. I became indulged in Texas A&M athletics for a very early age, and not just football. I mean, football was my main sport, of course, whenever I thought Texas A&M athletics, but basketball, baseball, the list goes on and on. And this podcast, Locked On Aggies, it's probably during football season going to be primarily Aggie football, as it should, but we're not going to ignore the other sports that go on as well. We're going to talk soccer at some point. We'll talk basketball. We'll talk baseball. If it's Texas A&M athletics, we're going to talk about it on the Locked On Aggie podcast. Again, your team every day. Today, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to recap the Louisiana Monroe game that took place last Saturday. I thought there was a lot of really big takeaways from that game. And in our next segment, I'm going to do my signature segment that's going to take place early every week after a game. It's three good things, three bad things. I take away three positives. And there was a lot of positives last week at Louisiana Monroe. And I'm going to take away some negatives, which there was some negatives. They weren't any big red flags, but there were some negatives, especially things that Texas A&M needs to clean up a bit before they go into Alabama next week because Alabama, my goodness, do they look good. Alabama has looked good for a long time. It seems like every year we say that Alabama's scary good. Nobody's going to beat Alabama. But this year, more than any other year before, I watched this Alabama team play football, and I just don't see an Achilles heel. This team is as close to a perfect team as you'll ever see in college football. And that's why I want to break down the negatives from that Louisiana-Monroe game. Because in order to beat Alabama, you have to play a perfect game. And you have to hope that Alabama plays, quite frankly, terrible. That's the only way you're going to beat Alabama. And the only way you can play a perfect game is if you clean up some of those mistakes you made against Louisiana-Monroe. So we're going to talk about that next segment. Another thing I want to talk about is Kellen Mond. What a year he's having. I know it's early. I know the competition besides Clemson which he played like a Heisman contender, to be quite honest. It hasn't been great. Northwestern State, Louisiana Monroe, two teams with poor secondaries. But when I watched him play against Clemson, we saw the player that Kellen Mond, I think, is going to become. Just a great leader, a great quarterback, and I can't wait to watch him progress as the year goes on and progress next year and the year after that under Jimbo Fisher. Because Jimbo Fisher, by the way, the new Texas A&M head coach, year one, he made E.J. Manuel look good at Florida State for crying out loud. E.J. Manuel, who was awful in the NFL, and I don't think he was ever really a good quarterback. I think Jimbo Fisher's offense makes it really easy for an average quarterback to step in and look good. I'm not saying, saying Kellamon's an average quarterback. I think Kellamon's a fantastic quarterback. But Jimbo Fisher's offense, it seems like it's always been able to... I mean, it's just really quarterback-friendly, to be honest. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Kellen Mond. We're also going to hit on why I thought Kellen Mond was going to be the starter all offseason. 
I just want to brag on myself a little bit. I've been singing Kellen Mond's praises for a long time. I thought he was going to be the starter as soon as last year ended. I thought Kellen Mond's the quarterback of the future for Texas A&M. Turns out Jimbo Fisher thinks so also. And I want to touch on what has he done to improve as much as he has. Because it's obvious to me when you watch him play, last year he looked like a freshman. He looked 18 years old, being thrown in the fire. This year he's just matured so much as a quarterback and as a young man. And we're going to hit on that as well. We're also going to take a quick look at Alabama. We already touched on that just a little bit, but I want to dig a little bit deeper. Alabama, like I said, seems invincible this year. But maybe if we look a little bit deeper, maybe we can find that Achilles heel. Maybe we can find that weakness that Texas A&M can expose. I don't know. I doubt it, but maybe we will once we look deeper. Also, I'm going to give my SEC power rankings. I'm going to do that every week as well because the SEC this year, it's interesting. You have Alabama at the top, obviously. And after that, you have a lot of really good football teams. And I don't know who my number two or my number three team is right now. It really is interesting. The SEC seems like every year is the best conference in the USA. I think that's the case this year as well. So that's going to be the episode today. Again, I'm Taylor Travis. I'll be your host, the Locked On Aggies podcast. I can't wait to get this podcast running. We're on episode one right now, but I just can't wait to do this every day. And again, if you're a listener, if you're a new listener, you're just joining us, I encourage you just to hang on with us and just listen to us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Before we go on to the next segment, though, I want to talk to you about fantasy football. It's underway. Fantasy football, it's hard to believe. I had my draft a few weeks ago. It always sneaks up on you, but there's two fantasy football shows on the Locked On Podcast Network that are going to help you out on your fantasy football season. Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 gives you all the latest news, waiver suggestions, and injury news. Believe me, I need it. My team, it's kind of a disaster this year. I already have a couple injuries I'm dealing with, so I'm definitely going to listen to this podcast and hear what these guys have to say. But Locked On Fantasy Football is now Locked On Fantasy Football Experts with amazing guests every day, Monday, Tom Kessenick. Tuesday, Eric Edelm, Wednesdays, Jeff Ratliff, and Tyler Lochner. It's just a fantastic show, and if you're a fantasy football nerd like I am, I absolutely recommend it. I also want to take a moment to talk about my bookie. If you're a better, I actually have a lot of people, believe it or not, who come up to me and they say, you're a football guy. You're on the radio. Who should I bet on this week? Well, you know what? I can't tell you who's going to win, but I can tell you who you should bet with, and that's my bookie. Go with somebody I trust. If I'm going to give you a recommendation, it's going to be somebody I trust, and it's my bookie. Who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. They win, and they pay. My bookie is slammed with new bettors. College football season just started. They want to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. That's right, $25 additional free play on deposits over $100. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. All right, welcome back to Locked on Aggies. Again, your daily source for all things Texas A&M Athletics, Locked on Aggies, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Taylor Travis, and I want to take a look back on the Louisiana Monroe game last week, Texas A&M wins 48-10. to You know, during the preseason, during the offseason, I was looking at the Texas A&M schedule, especially after Jimbo Fisher took over as head coach. And I was thinking of, so to speak, marquee games or games to circle on the calendar that would tell me a lot about the direction this program's headed. 
And obviously, you look at games like Clemson, you look at games like Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, those tough SEC matches, and you think, okay, those are definitely going to be strong telling points about where Texas A&M is headed, right? Obviously. But one team that I had circled, and this might sound crazy off the bat, but a game that I thought was going to be the most telling was Louisiana Monroe. And the reason why is because we saw fairly often under Kevin Sumlin, Texas A&M teams come out against a weak non-conference team and sort of sleepwalk, at least through the first half. You saw that. It's pretty common in college football. But especially Kevin Sumlin teams, it seems like we saw that. This game specifically, it's set up to be a perfect trap game. And I don't mean a trap game as in Texas A&M is in danger of losing this game because Texas A&M, it seems like they're three deep, could probably complete with Louisiana Monroe. I mean, Louisiana Monroe, not a very good football team. But a trap game in the sense that they could very easily look up in the fourth quarter and it's only a 10-point game. But Jimbo Fisher, as a head coach, he preaches one week at a time and every coach is going to tell you that. But Jimbo Fisher especially, one week at a time, focus on yourself, do what you do best. And that really showed against Louisiana Monroe. What I was worried about, you look at the Texas A&M schedule. They took on the second-ranked team in the country, Clemson at home. They almost beat them. They gave a run for their money, 28-26. And then you have the game against Louisiana Monroe. And then after that, you go to Tuscaloosa to take on the number one-ranked team in the country, Alabama. It would be so easy. For Texas A&M to go into the Louisiana Monroe week and either A, look, think back on the Clemson game and be emotionally hungover and just be drained from that game, how intense it was from start to finish, or B, look ahead to Alabama. It would be so easy for them to do that. So I thought this game, if they start dominating and they dominate from start to finish, it will say a lot about the direction this program's headed. And it will say a lot about Jimbo Fisher as a head coach. Well, Texas A&M wins 48-10. to It wasn't perfect, but they got the job done. They took care of business. They uh, were never in danger of losing the game. And what I want to do is I want to give my three good things and three bad things that I took away from that Louisiana Monroe game. My first good thing, they didn't sleepwalk. What we just talked about, they didn't sleepwalk. I was afraid that they might because it would be so easy when you're coming off that emotional loss against Clemson and you're heading into a matchup against the number one ranked team in the country, a team that looks like maybe the best college football team ever, it would be so easy to just overlook that game against Louisiana Monroe. And it didn't look like they did that at all. 48-10, to 10, a big win. It, it, to me, they, they checked out. They did exactly what they needed to do. And you got to give credit to Jimbo Fisher and the coaching staff for making sure the players were focused and they weren't looking ahead to Alabama because that would have been so easy for that team to do. The second thing I liked was the run game. You saw against Clemson, Texas A&M had such a hard time getting anything going on the ground. And can you really blame them? Because you look at that Clemson defensive line, they have three guys who are projected first-round draft picks and a fourth who was probably a second, maybe a late first, I would say a second. But they were all All-Americans last year, either first team or second team. That defensive line is one of the best defensive lines that we've ever seen in college football history. And it's no secret that the Texas A&M offensive line isn't great. That was definitely one of the big question marks heading into the season. So I was wondering if maybe they could get a good bounce-back game against a weak Louisiana Monroe defense, and they did that. Travion Williams, over 100 yards rushing. The team combined for 281 yards, 6.2 yards per carry. Uh, they possessed the ball for nearly 35 minutes. 
it, they definitely dominated the line of scrimmage, and we saw what the Texas A&M rushing attack can be like in SEC play if that offensive line can hold together. My sec, my third good thing was Kellen Mond. You can't say enough about Kellen Mond. And what Kellen Mond did Saturday night that we haven't really seen all year was he ran the ball. We knew Kellen Mond was a dual-threat guy. We've seen Kellen Mond run the ball last year. I remember against Arkansas, he had that one big 80-yard run that should have been a touchdown. The refs called him out at like the 8-yard line. But we know he's quick. We know he can run. But we really haven't seen it this year. A lot of that has to do with the Clemson pass rush, which is incredible. But he's able to scramble around the pocket. We just haven't seen him tuck it and go. Well, Saturday night, it seemed like that they were kind of taking the leash off, so to speak. He threw for 210 yards. He ran for 67 and two touchdowns. And he had, what was it, one or two other touchdown runs that were called back because of holding. I mean, he really looked good. And he looked comfortable running the ball. And if Texas A&M wants any chance of beating Alabama next week, it seems like when Alabama loses, very few and far between, they don't lose very often, but when they lose, the opposition has a mobile quarterback. You will think back on 2012 when Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M beat Alabama. You look back on the Ole Miss teams, they beat Alabama when they had Chad Kelly who could run, he could throw. Uh, Clemson, when they had Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson was very mobile as well. It seems like for whatever reason, those mobile quarterbacks seem to be Alabama's weakness. Well, if Texas A&M wants any shot, Kellen Mond's going to have to be able to find a way to run the ball. Easier said than done. They have some linebackers who will probably spy on them. Nick Saban knows Kellen Mond's capable. But if Kellen Mond's able to move around in the pocket and run the football, Texas A&M, I'm not going to say he's going to have a chance. But, but, like I said, it seems like every time Alabama loses a football game, it's to a mobile quarterback. So it definitely gives Texas A&M a chance. Now, what didn't I like? Well, there's a couple things that I didn't like so much. It's kind of hard to take too much away on the negative side from a 48-10 win. But I rewatched the game. I picked out a few things. Number one, injuries. Texas A&M needs to get healthy. They were without Kendrick Rogers last Saturday, the wide receiver who had the big game against Clemson. Jimbo Fisher said he expects him to be back in time for Alabama. I heard it was just kind of a tweak, like an ankle sprain. He could have played if it was a big game, but Texas A&M against Louisiana Monroe didn't need him. So why risk either making the injury worse or just putting him in pain, you know? So Kendrick Rogers, he'll be back against Alabama. Daniel LaCamera, Texas A&M's kicker. He's going to be out for a while. I believe he has a crack in his foot. Jimbo Fisher said he'll be out for several weeks, but Seth Small stepped in, did a nice job. By the way, that wasn't one of my things I liked, but very well could have been. It was on my list of things to include. His freshman kicker, Seth Small, came in and performed really well against a really big crowd. But the injuries need to... Uh, Texas A&M needs to get healthy. We saw Eric McCoy go down midway through the fourth quarter with a knee injury. Thankfully, it was just a sprain. We could have seen that be so much worse. Jimbo Fisher expects him to be back in time for Alabama. But it was a 34-10 lead, again, midway through the fourth quarter. I know the SEC schedule is coming up, and I know you want to give your starters as many reps as possible, but there comes a time when it's just not worth the risk. And when Eric McCoy went down, that's kind of when you saw Jimbo Fisher start to take some of the starters out. But Texas A&M needs to get healthy because Eric McCoy especially is such a key component of that offensive line. It's a young offensive line. You have three sophomores, you have Keaton Sutherland who's a senior, and you have Eric McCoy. With Eric McCoy out, Texas A&M's going to have to go with another sophomore. 
And that offensive line and SEC play without Eric McCoy is going to be just tested to the extreme against defensive lines like Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, South Carolina. The list goes on and on of good defensive lines in the SEC. So Eric McCoy, thankfully, should be okay. I don't know if he'll be 100%. I know knee sprains can be pretty severe sometimes, but Jimbo Fisher said he's moving well, expects him to be back for Alabama. Thank the Lord for that. But again, when Texas A&M gets off these big leads against non-conference opponents, I wouldn't mind seeing Jimbo Fisher pull the starters a little bit earlier because especially on the offensive line, you can't afford any other injuries, even at linebacker. Anthony Hines, he's out for the year. A huge loss because linebacker going into the season was one of those one of those positions where the starters were solid, but after that, the two deep and the three deep, it's pretty weak. So I don't think Texas A&M can survive another injury from their linebacker core. Because you look at that, that three deep right now, you have Ataro Alaka, who's played really well. You knew he would. He's a senior. You have Tyrell Dotson, who I think is going to end up being a second-team All-SEC linebacker. He's such an incredibly talented kid. He's a sophomore. He'll only get better. After that, you have Buddy Johnson, who I'm still waiting to see something from. You have Larry Pryor, Keith McGee, and Kyle Riley Garner. There's no depth there, and that scares me to death going into SEC play, especially against Alabama, where they like to pound the football. And if your linebacker core is you know, just not very deep, you're going to get ran all over. It's as simple as that. So I want to see Texas A&M get healthy. Another thing I didn't like was what I saw from the secondary. It seems like against Clemson, we saw the defense overall play well. But every now and then, they would make a big chunk play because a DB got burned or missed a tackle. We saw Derek Tucker miss two tackles against Clemson. He didn't really do that as much against uh, Louisiana Monroe. But we saw... Debian Renfro get burned a couple times. We saw Charles Oliver get burned against Clemson and again against Louisiana Monroe. I want to see that secondary improve as the year goes on because you take on Alabama next week against Tua Tungo Viola. I probably butchered his last name. I've been doing it all year. But when you go up against Tua, and he has all those athletes at receiver. You go up against a team like Ole Miss even with Jordan Tiamu, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. If you don't have a secondary who can just keep those receivers in check, it's going to be a long night for you. So I need to see improvement from that secondary. The third thing I didn't like, so many touchdowns called back. I believe it was three touchdowns called back by penalties total, and they were all holding calls. And that goes back to the offensive line just getting burned at times. They have to be able to just hold back on the penalties. Three touchdowns called back. When you face a team like an Alabama or an Auburn or LSU, when you get into conference play, every time you find the end zone is so precious. You cannot afford to have that play called back. So I want to see the penalties dialed down, and I'm sure they will as the year goes on. It's still early. It's week three. You're still trying to shake the rust off. But Jimbo Fisher will tell you, and he said it in the press conference today, he wants to see those penalties dialed down, and I'm sure they will be. I'm really sure they will. So three things I like, three things I didn't like from losing a Monroe. We're going to take another break. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about Alabama, and I'm going to talk a little bit about my SEC power rankings, who's hot, who's not in the SEC. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our new Locked On Podcast College Network. The Locked On Podcast Network just continues to expand. It's expanding today, episode one of Locked On Aggies. But the thing that they're focusing on right now, they're expanding with college shows. Coming this week, we had Locked On Wolverines, Michigan Wolverines make their debut, Locked On Buckeyes, Locked On Seminoles, 
They're already locked on the Ducks, Nittany Lions, Bears, the Crimson Tide, the Wildcats, Razorbacks, Volunteers, Cougars, and now the Aggies. It's expanding like a wildfire. If you're a college sports fan, I suggest you keep your eye out for your team. I'm sure it'll come out soon. Find your favorite college show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. It's probably there, too. So the Locked On Podcast Network continues to expand with college shows, Locked On Aggies. Again, Locked On Buckeyes, Locked On Wolverines. The list goes on and on. If you're a college sports fan, I recommend you go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Find your favorite college team. Find the podcast. Give it a listen. I promise you it's good stuff. You'll be hooked. Again, Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I also want to tell you about FanDuel. I'm a big fantasy football guy. I'm sure you are too. But something that's kind of blown up over the last few years is daily fantasy. And I'm sure it's kind of tough nowadays to find a good place to play daily fantasy, but it's really not. Why? Because FanDuel's the place to play. It's where I play. It's where you should play. They have something for everybody. If you're a beginner, they have games for you. If you're an expert, they have games for you as well. It's a great opportunity to play. It's a great opportunity to make money. I can't recommend it enough. Again, FanDuel.com, the place to play daily fantasy sports. It's where I play. It's where you should play too. So join me this Sunday on FanDuel.com. All right, welcome back to Locked On Aggies with Taylor Travis, your host, myself. Again, Locked On Aggies, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Aggies, your daily source for all things Texas A&M athletics. I want to take a little bit of a deeper look into Alabama because I said before, they're so scary this year. They're terrifying. They've been absolutely (laughs) obliterating every team they've played And I'm looking at their schedule right now. They open the year against Louisville. Now, it's not the Louisville team that we're used to seeing with Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson. They're having a down year. But they open the year beating Louisville 51-14, to just obliterating them. Next week, they played Arkansas State. An Arkansas State team that, they're not bad. They have a good quarterback. Overall, they're a decent team in the Sun Belt. They might contend this year. 57-7 win. You think that's bad? Last week in Oxford against Ole Miss, a team that's given Alabama fits in the recent past, a team that, you know, quite frankly, wasn't a contender in the SEC going into the year, but they do have a really good offense. Jordan Tiamu, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf at receiver, Scotty Phillips at running back. You thought that maybe this Ole Miss team would be able to hang three or four touchdowns on Ole Miss. I thought it was certainly possible. The spread, I believe, was 21. I still picked Bama to cover that, but I thought it was going to be maybe like a 54 to 21 type game. No, Alabama gave up an early touchdown to Ole Miss, and they didn't bat an eye after that. They dominated this game after that. 62 to 7, the final score. And that's when I looked at my friend I was watching the game with, and I said, Is this the best Alabama team we've ever seen? And I think it might be. Because one thing I always thought when I watched Alabama play football, and this goes back from the time Nick Saban took over. Alabama's never had that elite quarterback. Sure, A.J. McCarron was okay. He was a game manager. He wasn't elite by any stretch. But Tua Tungo-Viola, their quarterback, is elite. He can run. He can throw. You plug him into the Alabama offense, and you pair him with that Alabama defense that just didn't miss a beat, we thought that maybe they'd have a bit of a down year, especially in their secondary, but so far it doesn't look like it. But Tua Tungo-Viola, an elite quarterback in that Alabama offense. It's so scary. It's terrifying. I 100% believe after three weeks that this Alabama team might be the best Alabama team of all time. And by being the best Alabama team of all time, they might very well go down as 
the best college football team we've ever seen. I know it's early. I know maybe I'm overreacting, but I'm just going off what I've seen so far. There's not a weakness on this team. If there is, I haven't seen it. I'll go back as the week goes on. I'll watch the, the games a little bit more close. I have some of them on DVR. But I don't see a weak spot in this Alabama team. And that scares me. It scares me to death. I don't know what's going to happen when Texas A&M goes to Tuscaloosa. I'm going to spend all week trying to figure out what Texas A&M needs to do to win that game. But I just don't see it happening right now. Because Alabama is just that good. They are terrifying. Now, what about the rest of my, the SEC? I said I was going to give my SEC power rankings. I'm about to do that. Obviously, Alabama comes in at number one. They're just that good. But who's number two? There's a couple teams you could throw in there. Maybe Georgia, maybe LSU. I'm going to go with Georgia. I think Georgia is just as close to a perfect team as you can get if you're not Alabama. They're scoring 40 or more points each week against their opponent. They beat a Middle Tennessee State team who is a decent team. They beat them 49-7. to Offensively, they're so good this year. Defensively, they're even better. This Georgia team, I don't think, is going to be tested until they play Alabama in the SEC championship game. You look at Georgia's schedule, there's really nobody who I think that stands a chance. Before the season, I thought South Carolina might. South Carolina, just not as good as I thought they would be this year. There's really no other team in the SEC West that I think will even give Georgia a ball game. I mean, Georgia's just that good. They really are. Number three, and it's a pretty significant drop-off from two to three, but number three, I have to go with LSU. I wasn't a big Ed Orgeron guy before the season. I'm a big fan of his from an entertainment aspect. I think he's a great guy. He's so fun to listen to. He has one of the most unique voices, I think, ever in college football. But I wasn't really sold on him as a football coach. But ever since he took over, this team has responded. And this year, they are overperforming. I thought they were going to be a 6-6 six and six team. I didn't think they'd have anything on offense, and I thought their defense might take a slight step down. They're 3-0. and They just beat Auburn at home 22-21. to This LSU team, I'm all in. They're legit. I think they're going to be a 9 or 10 win team at the end of the year. I think they're probably the team that has the best chance of beating Alabama. I still don't think it happens, but of all teams on Alabama's schedule, aside from Georgia and a potential SEC championship game, it's got to be LSU. A rivalry game, a good defense. I think they do have a shot. I really do. Number four, I got Mississippi State. Nick Fitzgerald, he's finally clicking on all cylinders. He was suspended for the first game of the year against SFA. He scored six touchdowns last week. Beat Louisiana Lafayette 56-10. That's a good football team that I think is just going to continue to get better. I love the Joe Moorhead hire there. You know, Mississippi State's never going to be a team that's going to make that big splash higher, but they went flashy. They got Joe Moorhead, Penn State's offensive coordinator. And we'll see if it pays off as the season goes on. But I see this Mississippi State team being one of those teams who gets better as the year goes on and gets better as the players adjust to that new offensive scheme more and more. And lastly, number five, I'm going to go Auburn. I guess you could make an Auburn uh, an argument for Auburn at number four. But coming off that loss against LSU... I'm starting to wonder maybe if Auburn is overrated again. It seems like every year people hype up Auburn, but I just don't know. That defensive line is so good, but other than that, there's really been nothing that blows me away. They're a really good team, but that loss against LSU, it it had to be deflating if you think about it because Auburn came in thinking that they're going to challenge Alabama for the SEC West. Now that they lost to LSU, unless they beat Alabama and win out, they really don't have a chance. And I don't see this Auburn team beating Alabama. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to dive in deeper. We're going to talk a little bit more about Alabama. 
we're going to talk a little bit more about Kellen Mond because, again, you can't say enough about Kellen Mond's development. It's been off the charts. But we're going to talk to you again tomorrow. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about Alabama, more about Kellen Mond, and so much more. Again, this is Locked On Aggies Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Taylor Travis. Again, Locked On Aggies. Thanks for listening to Episode 1.